a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jim Bennett. And I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics from the headquarters of the United Utah Party on election night. Everybody. So we had planned to do this in order to be able to include everybody here. So we're very excited and we'll give you more results as the night goes on. All right. We had to take it out of the the big room and uh, let some more results come in. So it's a little bit quieter now. We won't be screaming as much. Uh, so, Abby, what do you think? The results are in. Honestly, it happened pretty much exactly how polling said it would, well, for the most part. Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, <laughs> I made a prediction yesterday. I put it on social media just to prove that I wasn't making it up, that the Republicans would get 52 to 53 seats in the Senate and that the Democrats would pick up 27 seats in the House, it looks like they're on track to pick up between 33 and 35 seats. Oh, you're, you were wrong. You I, idiot. I know. I thought I was a genius, and I wasn't. Do we know, um, like, the just like the amount of voter turnout that there was, like, in comparison to other years? Well, we don't. Uh, we don't have those numbers yet. Because that's what I would be interested in, because I feel like... One thing that I noticed this midterm in particular was like there was just a huge push for younger people, especially I think, to get out and vote. Yeah, there's always a huge push. To yeah, be, but the, but know. like celebrities in particular. Oh, they were well, celebrities. All over, <laughs> they were all <laughs> over the place. Like they were. It was a huge. Yeah, it was a huge thing. I felt more so than other years. Well, you know, MTV used to do the rock the vote, and everybody would always talk about this huge youth vote that would, ma- would materialize, and there were all kinds of celebrities that would come out and support it, and it never seems to go anywhere. So I would be very surprised if this year were much different, because people were talking about this as this huge blue wave and this huge opposition. Can I just to- say also, like, so we people were saying blue wave, and then Republicans were calling, like, they're like, no, it's going to be a red wave. And red and wave like, is not something you should say. I know. I was like, do you guys know, like, what that means? <laughs> right. Like, literally, like, quick, quick urban dictionary search, like, five yeah, seconds. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, that's not good. That's not good. And it wasn't a red wave, but the, 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 the result that a lot of people aren't talking about is that the Democrats picked up four gubernatorial seats. That's such a fun word. Gubernatorial? Yeah. Yeah. So the four governorships flipped from Republican to... It reminds Republican me of that to, song from Spongebob, where it's like, I'm a goofy goober, notorial, except that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. But if it was about government, it, that's how it would go. Well, that's good. SpongeBob, if you want to write a a spinoff about SpongeBob and politics, hit me up. All right, this this is going off the rails. (laughs) It's not going off the rails. I'm so tired. That's yeah. We're we're up late to to do this. We we usually record. We care about 
the news so much. Well, we, we care about our listeners so much. That's right. Well, I, I thought if we had recorded a podcast prior to Election Day, all we would do was sit and speculate, and it would be old news by the time it was published. So this, I think, is probably something we owe to our listeners to be able to provide our brilliant insight into what's going on. Highlights for me, it was really remarkable to see Ted Cruz struggle for a while. I'm not a big Ted Cruz fan. I am, yes, not what you would call a fan of Ted Cruz. But it turns out he was able to pull it out and, <sighs> and win that a second was, term. I was bummed. I knew, like, Texas probably wasn't going to go blue. But Beto, man, he was, like, he was killing it for a while. Visited every county in Texas. Right. Beyonce, a couple hours, came out and posted in support of him wearing a Beto hat. You really like the celebrity sort of endorsements, don't yeah, that's you? Why, I think that's why, yeah, I was thinking it was going to be <laughs> as persuasive on other youths as it was on me. But if Queen B says it, like, that's pretty much the law of the land. Yeah, so I'm, it I'm was sure. shocking. I'm sure. I, it was interesting. I don't know, like, why she waited just for till a few hours before the poll clo- polls closed to do that, though. Maybe because she knows that a lot of people don't like her. What, Beyonce? Yeah. Well, to to throw in the her thing hat about, in the ring. The thing about LeBron Be- James wore a Beto hat. I can just keep on naming celebrities. Well, the thing about Beto is that Beto, had he been able to pull this out and win in Deep Red, Texas, I, I think he would have been the front runner to be the 2020 Democratic nominee. And why not- can't he still be? Well, I was talking to somebody at the I UUP saw, party who was saying exactly that. Beto's yeah. probably going to be the nominee. I don't think so. I, I don't saw think, these tweets that were like, guess who else lost a Senate race and then won the presidential run two years later? Abraham Lincoln. And oh, I was yeah. like, okay, guys, let's yeah. slow down for a second. <laughs> yeah, Abraham Lincoln lost a lot of races. But it is possible. Like, well, Of course it's possible, but he, it doesn't seem likely to me because I don't think that he not, he no longer has a platform. Uh, I mean, he saying I'm the failed Senate candidate isn't really he enough. He was in to, the representative. He was a representative, though. Well, I know he was, but not, then, well. Like, you don't have to be in office. You don't to, have to be anything. Well, Donald Trump never yeah, held office. Look at look at Trump. Right. That so, isn't something that is good, though, in his case. Well, so. that, I think, is the biggest, the, the, the biggest outcome from this is that Donald Trump now has a foil to run against in 2020. Donald Trump can now demonize the Democratic House in a way that can motivate his voters to say, okay, we need to make sure that Nancy Pelosi, and they, they try to do that this time, but when they're not in power, it's not as easy to do. One, one of the things I'm very surprised by is how well Democrats did in the state of Utah. <clears throat> yeah. One of our seats is going to a Democrat, my, uh, ben, ben McAdams. Ben McAdams. Yeah. And Chris that Stewart ra- was in trouble, that too. That race was nasty, It was I just nasty. say? I like, had never seen... I'm sure there's been worse. I just haven't been in the political arena for that long. Like the negative ads, I was like shocked by some of them. Like, yeah. Jeez, guys, take a chill pill. Yeah, Come they were on. pretty vicious. Uh, but Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney won. But one of the things the United Utah Party was very concerned about was straight party ticket voting. Yeah, I think that is not... I, I hate that. I hate that it's an option. I hate that it's an option, It's horrible. Too. No one should do that. I, I could go off on a rant. This midterm again has t- like just shown me I hate two part the two-party system. Well, That's so why I, the UUP is great. And I agree. 
people shouldn't like it was so annoying it's like so annoying to just watch the tv and see like oh red or blue there's not just two categories of people how can we all fit into two categories like there's it's an excellent point there's more sizes of cups you can order at starbucks like (laughs) that's crazy like we're not just like republican or democrat there's so many shades of variation in between well the united utah party uh actually did very well even though we didn't win uh we uh eric elison who was the candidate for congress up in the first district logan in logan uh looks like he's going to get over 10 percent of the vote he's going to do better than i did last year uh which is wonderful because the 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 threshold the united utah party is trying to cross we have to get two percent of the vote in the entire congressional and all of all congressional votes, uh-huh. why? Uh, in order to be able to stay on the ballot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Otherwise, every two years we would have to gather signatures to get back on the ballot. And I think that we are the only only party, other than the Republicans and Democrats, that is guaranteed ballot access for another two years, primarily because of what Eric Elison did. Although Tim Zeidner in the third district got uh, a little over two percent of the vote. So that makes 12% altogether. And uh, if you stretch that over that o- over the four districts, we're going to be fine. So- no, I, I totally thought that. Like I, uh, at, this, at this party tonight, I was just remembering last year to your election party. Right. And it was just, and you were the only candidate for right. the UP. And it was like the craziest. And everybody there campaign. was related to me. Probably. Yeah, it was. And, I, and like looking around tonight, I was like, this is so cool. Like this is a cool movement. Like it's yeah. awesome. These people are like. Props to everybody who ran, honestly. Like, campaigning is a soul-sucking endeavor. Like, well, right. And and we had several candidates that got in the high 30s. Yeah, I think it's so uh, awesome. Like, that's know, that's unheard of in Utah. That's so cool. Like, that's making history. Well, so the thing we were concerned about is that straight party ticket voting because of Mitt Romney was going to dominate. And Mitt Romney, I mean, he won, and he won decisively, but right. he only won by like 6%. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was really stunning. Uh, Jenny Wilson got, I think, 45% of the vote. And, uh, you know, down uh, Chris Stewart, uh, as of this point, he is now ahead, but he was behind uh, uh, for much of the night. He mm-hmm. was the second con- congressional candidate, second district congressional candidate. Uh, so the Democrats started doing I, – I think that the Republican lock on Utah is starting to crack I think I'm mixing metaphors there too, uh, but the, the 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 ice, the hold the Republicans have on you. The ice is starting, is starting to, to get unlocked. <laughs> uh, we'll talk some more about these developments when we get back from our break. All right. So, uh, as of this moment. Democrats have gained 34 seats. I can't seem to find any place that's telling me how many seats that the Republicans have. Well, this says that the Republicans have 51 as of now, but only four, the Democrats only have 42. The rest haven't been decided. So the Republicans are, I think, likely to pick up... House a, seats? Wait, uh, or Senate, no, Senate, Senate seats. seats. Oh, okay. Senate seats, right. So the, the, the map this time around was very favorable to Republicans. More, more Democrats were defending uh, seats than Republicans were. And so it was always an uphill battle for the Democrats to be able to retake the Senate. Mm-hmm. But uh, I watched Nancy Pelosi's speech as they called the House for the Democrats. 
And there was a lot to like about her speech. She started talking about, we've had enough of division. We need to be able to work together. And, you know, I, I have to confess, I am a big fan of gridlock. Sweet, sweet gridlock. Sweet, sweet gridlock. Uh, you know, you go back to 94 when uh, the Clintons essentially overreached and there was a huge red wave and the Republicans took over. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I didn't even look at Urban Dictionary. A huge red victory. Red swell. Oh, that's kind of gross, too. Well, it, also, it also makes me think of, you know, that scene from Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining? Yeah. Where the elevator doors oh, open yeah, and all the yeah. blood just and rushes out. the blood out. pours out. Great movie. Great movie. A, that, lot, a lot of uh, similarities between that movie and politics, I would say. Uh, probably more than there should be. Uh, yeah, so the Republican victories in 94, Clinton essentially won re-election by coming back to the middle and governed as a very moderate president out of necessity. Uh, I, I, whatever you think of Bill Clinton ideologically, he is a brilliant tactician. And he determined, and saxophone player. Uh, he's not as brilliant a saxophone player. Uh, I've heard him play agree, the saxophone. Agree to disagree. Have you? Oh, okay. All right. He, the only two saxophone players I know in the whole world are him and Kenny G, though. So I guess I don't have a lot to go Clarence off of. Clarence Clemens. He's dead now, though. He was the saxophone player for Bruce Springsteen uh, and the East okay, Street Band. Okay, yeah. I remember right after Clinton won, Billy Joel went on David Letterman and said that he'd been invited up to the White House to jam with the president. And he said he didn't want to go because he didn't think Clinton was good enough to jam with him. Oh, so, fighting words. So Billy, Billy has that to answer Dang. for. But uh, Clinton moderated. Clinton became a centrist president, and he didn't. He wasn't a centrist president for his first two years. And o- Obama, you know, he won in two thousand and eight with a supermajority in the Senate. He is the first president in my lifetime to ever have a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. Yeah. Do you understand how that works? Um. Yeah, like so, like there was there was enough Democrats to make sure that everything he wanted to pass passed. Well, it's not see in the Senate you essentially need sixty votes to make sure everything passes. Okay, because uh, the filibuster rule is such that to end debate on something you have to get sixty votes to shut off debate. Sure, and really this began largely in the Clinton era, the Republicans in ninety two. Uh, one had something like 44 seats. So hard to care about years when I wasn't alive. I understand. I History understand. began on January 7th, 1997. Uh, well, in 1997, by then, uh, I don't know how it works. By 97, the Republicans had the majority. But uh, both parties have used the filibuster rule to great effect. In, in fact, to the point where they had to eliminate the filibuster for judicial nominees. And I kind of want to name one of my kids Buster. yeah. And they'll be like, oh, that's a weird name. Where did you get that from? And they have to be like, it's short for filibuster. Oh, that'd be good. You ever seen Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? No. All seven brothers are named alphabetically after biblical characters. And then they got to F and his name is Frank. And they find out it's short for frankincense. Because that's the oh, only that's biblical cute. F name. He wasn't happy about it. Frankincense in the play. <laughs> anyway, so they, he could have been filibuster. Uh, but uh, Barack Obama... Uh, with a filibuster-proof majority, was able to pass Obamacare without a single Republican vote. Mm-hmm. And I think that that set a partisan precedent that that has been problematic. I didn't mean to be alliterative like that. but It was nice. A problematic partisan precedent. 
uh, that uh, has has not helped us. And when the Republicans retook Congress, uh, they were able to sort of beat up on the excessive partisanship of the Democrats. It, and, you know, it, it goes back and forth. This is very cyclical. And in fact, uh, historically speaking, the party in power in the White House use, loses on average 27 House seats. That's kind of how I came up with my number for my prediction. Uh-huh. So, so this isn't... This isn't the kind of blue wave that I think people were hoping for, but it's it isn't of, the blue kind ripple of, that kind people of like are a, mocking. Either. Yeah, a blue stream. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it's all of these metaphors. Can why be, does it have to be water related? Why does it have to be water related? Because uh, water's blue, I guess. Because, yeah, well, not always. So true. But uh, we're talking about the real issues here, folks. That's right. That's right. You're getting analysis poignant analysis here that you're not going to get anywhere else. No, the the uh, the success of the of the Democrats this time around is historically consistent with the success of the party out of power in every midterm election, particularly the first midterm election. And so this was not, I think, the massive indictment of Donald Trump that I that many were hoping for. Yeah. Uh uh, but what this does do, I, I think personally, it's the best of all possible outcomes, because it's. I don't know, Ted Cruz. Is well, okay, Ted bleh. Cruz. <laughs> I'm sorry. He has the most punchable face. Yeah, we've talked about that. He also like made fun of him because there's like a Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer meme, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he tried to make fun of that, like be self-deprecating on Twitter, and I was like, you can't even pull it off because you are the Zodiac killer. Except for the Zodiac Killer killed people before Ted Cruz was born. Don't you think Okay, okay. If you don't care about what happened before you were born, why should Ted Cruz care about the Zodiac Killer? It's, you, you don't know all the facts. I don't know all the facts. We're going to talk a few more about some, a bit, bit more about some of the facts as to what this means for the Trump administration and for Congress and for the country going forward. Okay, Abby, so what does this mean for Congress and the Trump administration going forward? Um, Donald's going to tweet something annoying. He probably already uh, has. Do you want to check? I blocked him on oh, Twitter. Oh, did you? Yeah. No, I still have him on Twitter. I don't I don't go to I don't like Twitter. I was that's that's where I was getting all of my information tonight. I just like scroll through hashtags. Yeah, Twitter is very helpful for these kind of events because you get news faster than anywhere else. So Um there were a couple historic firsts that I was excited about. Such as Um there were two Muslim women elected to Congress. Really? The first Muslim women ever. Cool. Um yeah, the first openly gay uh, governor in Colorado. Oh, I want to interrupt this with Donald J. Trump's tweets. Oh, okay. Tremendous success tonight. Thank you to all. You're welcome, Donald. <laughs> what does that even mean? Oh, uh, boy. All right. Anyways, yeah, there were there was like the youngest woman ever was elected. Um, was that the one from New York? I think I can't remember. I should yeah. know that. Anyways. She's a socialist. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's an open... I mean, I'm not yeah. just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. She's announced that yeah. she's a socialist. Um, Florida... Florida's a, ugh, Florida's a mess. Yeah. But in the bright side of Florida, they voted to um, give prior felons their voting rights back. Oh. Which You didn't hear about that? No. That was a big deal. Like, one in five Florida men that couldn't vote previously now can vote. 
I don't know how I feel about that. I think why not? If they've served their sentences, why not? Oh, I don't know. They I have to I, live in the country still. Like I, why? I don't know. How I was excited about it. I think that's okay. a cool. I think that's cool. Okay. In Utah, Prop Two passed overwhelmingly. Yeah, all the, that's all interesting. All the propositions seem look like they passed. No, Proposition no. One did not. Oh, it didn't. No. Oh, I didn't check that. Which I think that is was, interesting. That was the gas tax for education. Yeah, and and I I had very mixed feelings about it. I I think I voted for it. Actually, no, I don't think I voted for it. Hmm. Oh, how's that? I can't, I'll have to check. I don't oh I don't my have gosh. my balance. Uh, it, but uh, my issue was that if it doesn't pass, that it isn't telling the legislature that we want more money for schools. But at the same time, a gas tax is the wrong vehicle to be able to fund education. Yeah, see, there's a a good metaphor. No waves involved at all. Uh, No, yeah, Proposition 2's passage, I think, is remarkable because uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came out so strongly against it. Sorry, guys. And uh, and We got to have our marijuanas. There you go. Uh, Well... The, I, I think they saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, they comp- they can't it, it came was, up with that compromise. Yeah, 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 so it wasn't even a big deal anymore. I think that's one of the reasons. Well, it passed, so. except except I think that it it was very much a signal that you know just a compromise isn't enough. You guys need to really hash this out because the compromise really didn't address uh, all of the issues in the way that I think advocates were wanting them to. So. So anyway. Uh, Gerrymandering. I was excited about that Yeah, one. that's good. Uh, the Better Boundaries Initiative passed in Utah. I had said in a previous podcast that the United Utah Party had endorsed that. They had not. Oh. So I, I offer that as a correction. The UUP doesn't try and endorse things. That's one of the cool things about it. Like it lets its candidates do right. Right. what they feel is best. There's well, except like, the UUP has has come out in favor of the principles that were in Proposition 4. Sure, I think I yeah. think probably that everybody in the UUP voted for it. But, yeah. But, but maybe not, because you're allowed to have leeway. Yeah, and that's what's so great about it. In the United Utah Party. So, well, but on a national scale then, uh, the Democrats take the House. They take the House with a very slim majority. It's it, I think it's probably between... Uh, if it's 35, if they gain 35 seats, then they'll probably have, I think that's a 12-vote majority. Math is hard. Math is hard. Out of 435 seats with 12 votes in the majority, that gives a motivated ideological block on either side a great deal. Actually, you'd have moderate Democrats uh, have a great deal of power now because they can combine and say, all right, we want to be able to be heard and get something done because every single vote matters. Yeah, And I think Ben McAdams, going back there uh, in Utah's 4th District, Ben McAdams is a very moderate Democrat. Ben McAdams is a very reasonable guy. And I think he's going to have a lot of power, or at least a lot more power, than most freshman representatives. Please yield it wisely, Ben. We're begging you. We're begging you. No, he will. Ben McAdams is a good guy. I I was actually very pleased with that result. I'm not in his district, so I couldn't vote for him. Uh, but I probably would have voted for him had I been in his district. So uh, lots of lots of interesting things going on. But uh, the, the slimness of the majority also means that the Democrats who are calling for all kinds of wild-eyed impeachment and everything else against Donald Trump are likely not going to go anywhere. That's probably, that's, that's all a non-starter. I don't think impeachment is on the table. 
And I think if they try to do that, I think that would be a tremendous embarrassment. Yeah. Um, I read Bob Woodward's book. Have uh, you read Bob Woodward's book? I haven't read Bob Woodward's book. Do you book. know who Bob Woodward is? You've mentioned him on the podcast before, but yes. I can't remember. He, he, was the, he was the Watergate reporter. Okay, And he yeah. wrote a book about Trump. Yeah. And he... The one, the one that, like, talks about how Trump hasn't read any of his own books and stuff? Well, no, that's a different... Well, no, he talks some about that. <laughs> but he was being interviewed, and he said, look, I, I searched for three years to find anything about Trump and Russia... Why did I say three years? For two years. Don't lie on this podcast. I didn't mean to. It was. An, this is an honest space. It's an honest space. Uh, but what he thinks the biggest problem for Trump is, is that uh, if he decides to testify, uh, Trump is going to lie because well, yeah. Trump can't <laughs> not lie. Yeah. And that's the only way Trump gets into trouble because there really isn't any evidence of Russian collusion. That has come out. Woodward said, I looked for it for two years. I couldn't find any. Woodward's one of the best reporters in the world. And if he couldn't find any, it's likely there isn't a whole lot. But what could happen is that Donald Trump is invited in to go testify. And he lies through his teeth because he can't not lie. Uh, And as a result, he could be charged with perjury. And he could be charged with obstruction of justice. That would be kind of like funny, like horrible and funny in a way just because he would be so he would – I don't think he knows what's going on a lot of the time. <laughs> I think he would just be so confused. Well, I think you're right to some degree. Uh, so that's the only danger. But even then, uh, the idea of removing him from office, the Republicans are going to hold the Senate. and He's going to be here for two more years, guys. He's going to be here for two more years. Settle in. So the question is, is he going to be here for six more years? It's never too early to start uh, making predictions for your next politics. election. <laughs> Gosh. Well, what do you think? Do you think Trump's going to be reelected? I think if the Democrats can find a cool uh, person. Well, okay. I agree. He's so, he's so hated. Trump is so hated among non-MAGA people. I okay. Think. Okay. Except we now have two elections that show that he's not hated at the historical levels that everybody thinks he is. He was able to win the presidency, even though everybody said everybody hates Trump, there's no possible way he can win. And now he is, he has held and likely increased his majority in the Senate he and just barely lost the House, really. I have, that's another reason I hate the two-party system, is like we feel like we're voting for a president who's not even up for re-election. Like there was a kid wearing a Make America Great Again hat today in one of my classes and right. like making a big point to I'm like we're not even voting for him. Like he's not it's ah uh, it's it's asinine. Well, every election is a referendum on the incumbent. Which is so dumb. Like ugh. Well, uh, this was a referendum I, on Trump. I get mad and, at the Founding Fathers <laughs> every election. The night. Founding Fathers hated the two-party system. There are quotes from John Adams where he rips on the two-party yeah, system. Yeah, George Washington, too. Neither one of them wanted wanted parties. I saw this tweet, and it was like, maybe sl- slave-owning white men from the 18th century weren't the best, didn't come up with the best form of, I don't care. It was uh, funnier uh, when I saw it. Anyways, well, I, I think I'm going to dig up the John Adams quote and read that uh, when we get back from our break. Are you excited? Sounds good. Here we go. All 
All right, are you ready? I am so, so ready. Some wisdom from our founding father, John Adams. Lay it on me, John. In a letter to Jonathan Jackson dated the 2nd of October of 1780, John Adams said, There is nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties, each arranged under its leader and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. Mic drop. Mic drop. Well, problem is, they did drop the mic, but it didn't go anywhere. We have we have exactly <laughs> That's the not system. What mic drop means. I know. I'm trying to segue from. Mic- <laughs> they dropped the microphone and it just stayed on the stage. <laughs> it just stayed on the stage. Yeah. Problem is, okay, they picked up the microphone. The two parties. Let's, let's, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Let's not try to torture this metaphor any more than we have to. Yeah, the two-party system, at least here in Utah, it's interesting. Utah is showing some cracks in the two-party system. Mitt Romney only getting 51% yeah. of the vote is a crack in the two-party system. United Utah Party candidates getting 39% of the vote is a crack in the two-party system. Yeah, uh, Cracks can lead to bigger things, and sometimes they don't. But the reality is, <laughs> I have a gross medical thing I could have said. Oh, oh, oh. I was going to be like, cracks could lead to fistulas. <laughs> but since probably mo- since say most that. people don't know what that is, and it's a medical term, we'll let it slide okay. this time around. Uh, also, can I give a shout out, a negative shout out to a girl in my dissection class who's never going to hear this? Sure. She, we were in class, and she's looking at her phone and goes, "Oh, the Republicans." better win and then another kid was like did you guys vote and she goes no but i know for a fact she's from utah so she could have voted with a mail-in ballot like that's such a weird state of mind to be like i hope this happens and then do nothing yeah vote you ah freaking that's one of my my biggest pet peeves is people that complain but they didn't vote like you have no right to complain if you didn't participate in well, Jim Gaffigan so there's tweeted, my shout he says, out I to... voted even though nobody told me to, because yeah, he yeah. was joking, because yeah. everybody told him to. He also said, after you vote, you can eat whatever you want. So that's, yeah. that's good advice. Anyways, so there you go, girl who's never going to hear this. I yeah. hope you feel guilty. Uh, well, you know, I, I take great comfort in the fact that these massive shifts in power happen without violence. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I mean, at every election, we're now going to hand power over to the to the opposition party that Trump has vilified and hates. But Trump is not going to make any effort to actually stop it from happening. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Uh, but uh, there, there's a lot to be said for that. There's there is a lot that doesn't work about our system, but there's still a lot that does. And the Constitution is the oldest written Constitution in the world that is still in operation. And I think that's the case because it's able to deal with even the kinds of excesses that we see in Donald Trump and everywhere else. And it's able to deal with all of these in ways that we don't end up having to resort to violence. And people uh, who, We did have a civil war. Don't forget about we that. We did. We did. That was kind of a big deal. That was kind of a big deal. And I, y- your grandfather always used to point to that when people said, this is the worst that's ever been. This is the most divided <laughs> uh, we have ever no, been. We literally shot each other. We literally shot and killed each numbers. other. You know, I mean, the, 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 the casualties per capita of the civil war. Uh, outnumber the casualties of any other war we participated in. So when in you combined. get sad about the midterm results, just 
think about how you're not. Yeah, we're at, still we're not shooting at each other yet. Dying. I mean, we may get to that point. And I hope we don't. Uh, but the reality is, uh, we're still functioning. We're still here, and I, I think that this is going to force both parties to get along, to play get along nice, to you some guys. degree. Play nice. If it doesn't, the party that that refuses, uh, and, and that may very well be Donald Trump, mm-hmm. uh, but the party that refuses to moderate, that refuses to come to the center, is the party that's going to lose the next election. And Bill Clinton understood that. Barack Obama, I think, understood that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if Donald Trump understands that, I think he'll probably win re-election in 2020. <sighs> unless the Democrats oh, can come please. up with somebody else. Beto, honestly. I All got right. really excited just, like, watching him. I was getting excited. I think he's so charismatic and, like, a really cool... Well, should I give your name as the first Beto 2020 volunteer? Uh, yeah. I, I have contacts. I know people. He also, though, is like, from what I was like, I, I don't know a ton. I should know more about his political views. But <laughs> he just thinks he's good looking and Beyonce my, likes him. Yeah, yeah, if, oh. yeah. honestly, that was the main factor oh, in my gosh. support is Beyonce. Okay, uh, okay. Um, But he apparently is like a really, really liberal Democrat, which, take that as you will. But, take um, that but as that, you But will. again, like you were saying, like, moderate in all things is... Seems to be the key. It seems to be the key. So um, if, if you enjoyed our political analysis tonight, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. For more Beyonce talk, please subscribe. For Please subscribe. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can also find us at the KSL Podcast Center. And until next week, this is Jim Bennett. This is Abby Bennett. And uh, God bless America. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer.